Hello again. <laughs> it's good to be uh, good to be here again. Um, last time I introduced myself, um, uh, some of you might not have heard that. Uh, my name's Andy Hall, and um, Anglican by conversion, conservative evangelical by theological training, and charismatic Pentecostal by practice and persuasion. <laughs> and uh, when I when I introduced myself that way at my local Episcopal church when I was doing a, a service during Holy Week last year. The rector there said, that makes you one really mixed up cookie. And uh, yeah, it is a bit like that. Uh, you know, just keep chewing and eventually you'll find something you like, uh, even if you don't like the initial, uh, initial flavour. So um, I come uh, from the west coast of Scotland. Uh, I've been living there for 20 years now. Um, my wife and I co-lead the Lighthouse Church in Troon, uh, which is happy clappy, chandelier swinging, card-carrying, charismatic. We had to take the chandeliers down because of health and safety concerns because people get dropping off. So the people now just plaster themselves on the walls as high as they can get. So uh, that's, um, that's, my, uh, that's my background. And um, I want to talk this morning um, uh, just a, a verse from the book of Ephesians, Ephesians 3 um, and verse 16. And Paul prays for them and he says, I pray that out of God's glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. And uh, so that's, that's the verse that, that, that I'm starting from. And the, the subject is really naturally operating in the supernatural. Naturally operating in the supernatural. And uh, some of you will have heard some of this before, um, but... Uh, yeah, it's a good talk, so yeah, I'll keep, get, keep doing it till people get bored with it. Uh, the supernatural is Jesus' natural environment. If you're a believer, Paul says you're in Christ. So you're in Christ, you're in Christ's natural environment. Christ's natural environment is the supernatural. So therefore, you have to learn how to be naturally supernatural. Being supernatural is not having a spooky voice. And the quivering hand as you pray for people, that's, not, that, that, that's humanity. But the, the supernatural is that everything that heaven has, I can use. Everything that heaven possesses, I can release. That heaven coming to earth through me is a natural experience. You know, there's, uh, people define miracles as being a very, very occasional happenings that very rarely happen, <laughs> that sort of thing. But actually, um, the lifestyle of somebody whose life has been taken and immersed in the life of Christ, for I no longer live, but, but I live, my life is hidden with, with Christ in God, the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of Man. That life is hallmarked, is stamped indelibly with the ability to be supernatural. Now, the church over the years goes through seasons of rediscovering and then losing and then discovering again their supernatural heritage. And uh, so I hope that, that you will uh, just discover a bit today of your supernatural heritage. And you know, God is totally committed to revealing to us everything that we need for life and godliness, which means we have absolutely no excuse, nowhere to hide, nowhere to go. That if God is committed to giving us everything we need for life and godliness, we should expect to have life and godliness because God is providing everything that we need. And if we don't have in some area, it's probably because we're not looking, we're not searching, or we're not bothered to receive heaven's help. 
So we need to, um, we need to learn how can I position myself in order to receive everything that God has got lined up for me? And um, so God's wisdom and revelation need a landing place in my life. And uh, that landing place, Paul talks about and refers to in this wee verse that we looked at here, talks about your inner being, your inner man, your spiritual center, or to put it into one word, your, your human, or two words, your human spirit. That is the landing place for everything that heaven has for us. Now, um, you know, there have been a lot of, uh, on the news, there have been a lot of disasters, uh, natural disasters around the world in the last few years. And you, you, you can see the, the mode of operation of the relief agencies as, as they come to a place where everything has been destroyed, trees uprooted, houses destroyed. And the first thing that the relief agency does when it gets there is it starts to try and open the airport. Because they know that, that the, flying above, they've got all these transport planes full of everything that the people down on the ground need, but there needs to be an, uh, an airport opened. And so they prioritise clearing the, the runway so that the supply planes can land to relieve the need of, of the people. And our spirit, our human spirit, is the runway Whence, from where all of heaven's reality, all of heaven's supply, all of the relief materials that I need to transform my own life, but also the lives of people around me and beyond that, the community and the country, that it all starts with a runway that's cleared and the lights are switched on. Now, it's very hard to land a big supply plane in the dark with no lights. We have to kind of light up the runway and say, you know, all heavenly help available here. Please, please land now. Um, but, but, you know, we also have to remove the boulders and the wreckage, the fallen trees, which are, can block the receiving of the supply that God wants us to have. So we're going to be looking a little bit um, as we go through this um, about the human spirit. Um, so Paul says here that, there's a, there, that God has glorious riches that he wants to use to strengthen with power our inner being. Your spirit, your human spirit, is designed to be um, enriched and strengthened from heaven. It is designed to operate with constant downloads of heaven's riches. And the riches in glory, it says, in, I think, in one translation. And, and the word riches of glory, it's the, it's the word plutrus doxa. The plutrus, we get the word uh, plutocrat from in English. You know, stinkingly rich, and then stinkingly rich glory. And so God has, uh, uh, someone helpfully translated, retranslated that, glory-encrusted riches, that God has got this supply in heaven of glory-encrusted riches. Think of Fabergé Easter eggs with, with, with massive encrusting of jewels. And God has got them, and he's saying, anybody want them? And we're going, oh, it's such hard work being a Christian. It's such hard work being a Christian. And, and, and we feel so desperate, and we're so difficult, and it's so hard. And we're, and we're so looking at down instead of looking up where Father is saying, anybody wants an Easter egg? And we can be supplied. Just in case you don't know, Fabergé Easter eggs are not 
chocolate. Okay, they're, they're, they're incredibly valuable jewels. Otherwise, the illustration would kind of look a bit odd. So glory-encrusted riches, massive resources of heaven, looking for an airstrip to land in us. Now, of course, at this point, someone says, yeah, I know, but, but we know how to pray, and we've prayed, and we've had answers to prayer. And I don't doubt that, and that is, that's absolutely true, that the church does know how to pray. But, uh, but very often, our praying is like uh, someone, uh, this is a complicated picture, someone approaching a kitchen dresser um, and getting hold of the kitchen dresser and really shaking it hard as they can. And then suddenly, out of the top top of the dresser, a tin of baked beans falls out and hits them on the head. Oh, we had an answer to prayer. Glory. We got something hit us. Pretty random. We shook and something came. Um, But, you know, that's... That's it. I shake again, and then eventually, after a lot more shaking, another tin of baked beans drops out. And and that is one way of getting answers to prayer. That is one way that God supplies, bit at a time. But actually, God's intention isn't that we should be putting this huge effort in to see a minimal release of resource. Rather, he says, open your hearts, open your spirit to me. Give me the permission to bring into your spirit that which will gloriously enrich you. So there's, a, there's two sort of approaches. There's the, the sort of poverty mentality approach, which says if I pray really hard, I might get something. Or there's the much more optimistic approach, which says God is good. I am in need. I lay myself open before you, expecting to receive everything that I need for life and godliness. And so Paul says that that God wants to strengthen us in our inner man with some of his glorious riches. Strengthen you in your inner man. Now, I don't understand how this can be controversial, but apparently it is. And um, a a lot of theologians trot around, if you ask them what's the nature of man, they say man is a, is a soul and a body. And none of us would disagree with that, that, that we understand we have a soul and a body. But actually the Bible doesn't talk about a bipartite man, it talks a tri- about a tripartite man, that human beings are made in the image of God. So it's pretty surprising, God likes the number three. And so he puts three parts together to make a human being. A human being is a soul, a body, and a spirit, a human spirit. Now, those three parts make up the whole human. Now, the body you're all familiar with, you visit it every morning and look at it in the mirror and, and then go away wishing it were different. But, but you, you, there's the body, and we all know about that. That's the physical container, not to be despised, not to be rejected. It's a good thing from God. Then the soul is the non-physical part of you that can connect with uh, the non-physical part of other people around you. So that's your mind, your will, and your emotions. And now the soul is, um, we're very familiar with. We're familiar with our mind and our will and our emotions. And then the third part, your spirit, is that part of you which connects with the spiritual realm. Now, I know that this must be true. Because the number of occult people I've met who have absolutely no connection with Jesus, no, no interest in God whatsoever, but their spirits are red hot at connecting with what's going on in the dark side of the spiritual realm. And they, they are tuned in. And the thing is that most Christians seem to have taken down their disc and kind of like and, and their satellite disc and not tuned in at all to the spiritual realm. And 
so the occultists win the day. So I think, well, if they know that the spirit's important, probably it is. So your human spirit is like a satellite dish, which you can tune in to the spiritual realm. I, um, you know, this tuning in thing, people say, well, surely if I'm a Christian, then, then you know, I can, I, I can hear God. Yeah. But I, we, recently we had to get a, a new uh, set-top box. So we brought one on eBay that promised 5,000 channels. And when we looked at it, 4,999 of them are good Christians shouldn't have been watching. So it was, it, but the problem was not actually the set-top box. The problem was that the satellite dish that we had was pointing in completely to the wrong place. And the guy had to turn it around virtually to, to 180 degrees to shine it in another way. And then suddenly we got the 50 or 60 channels that we were actually meant to have. In other words, we had, we had to get the dish pointing in the right direction before we actually got the right information. The spirit realm is a pretty big place, and it's like the Wild West. There's a whole load of bad stuff, and there's a whole load of good stuff, and that we're called to tune into the good stuff with our spirit. Your spirit is a satellite dish, and we have to learn to tune it in. We'll come back to that in a minute. So you've got this wonderful spirit that is able to connect you with everything to do with the spiritual life. Now, we would assume, wouldn't you, you become a Christian and you allow the Spirit of God to come to your life. Um, Surely that means that from now on, my spirit, my human spirit and the Spirit of God, well, they're in charge. And if you imagine a little triangle, you know, that the Spirit would be at the top and the soul and the body would be underneath. But I have noticed with a lot of people that that is not the case. I mean, before I became a Christian... Um, I lived out of my mind completely. I had secular, atheist, humanistic, scientific family background, and the mind was everything. I, I was a mind on legs, and I would walk around, and if something didn't make sense to me, it wasn't true. Now, that is a real problem when you come to, when you come to start looking at the Bible and the things of God, because there's a lot in there that doesn't make sense to the natural mind. And my mind was constantly crossing out great chunks of the Bible. So my mind, even though I'd become a Christian, my mind was still in enmity to God. So my mind needs to be taken over. My spirit needs to be in charge instead of my mind. We'll come back to how that happens in a minute. Or for other people, before you became a Christian, maybe your, um, your soul, another part of your soul was in charge. For instance, your emotions. And, you know, I wake up in the morning, I feel good, so the world is going to be good. I wake up tomorrow morning, the world, I don't feel good, so the world is going to be bad. I feel good today, woo, I'm up here. I feel bad tomorrow, I'm down there. And we just go all over the place. And whatever, whoever the person, anybody meeting you, they meet the, per, the, the particular emotion that's in charge today. Today it's anger, tomorrow it might be grief, and, and so on. And we have a whole load of emotions all climbing up to the top and looking over and saying, I'm in charge, I'm in charge. And we become Christians, and we think, oh, that's not a good emotion for a Christian to have. And we go, we're pushing them down all day long. And our emotions are just bubbling up rubbish stuff. And we go, oh, I shouldn't be thinking that's a Christian. I shouldn't be doing that as a Christian. And we're trying to hold our emotions down. Do you know how tiring that is? Some of you do, don't you? How tiring it is to actually try with your own strength to make your emotions submit. 
So I don't, it's not a good idea to have your mind in control. It's a bad, another bad idea to have your emotions in control. Mind, will, emotions, the will. Some people, oh my goodness, before they become Christians, I will do what I will do. I want to do what's good for me. I am going to be in charge. I will decide what's right and wrong. And, and uh, you might be one of those people, someone who was a real will person. You did good things, but it was by will and self-control. And you could go and become a Christian. And Jesus says, I want to be in charge. But you say, no, my will is in charge. And letting Jesus be Lord when the will is in charge is a very hard job. So all these things battle against the spirit being in charge. The problem is our human spirits have been pretty much neglected. Even when we've been Christians, we don't actually spend much time working on our spirit because, well, we can't see where it is. We don't understand very much. And so our spirits are quite weedy. And this is not my illustration. It's someone else's, but it's a great illustration. Our, our spirits are like um, itty-bitty little stick men characters, very weak, very skinny, and, and very uh, small. And... Your spirit comes along and hears the word of God, and the word of God says, you know, you should have the mind of Christ. You shouldn't be ruled by your old mind. And so the spirit starts speaking to the stuff that's going on in your head, saying, I want to be in charge. I want to be in charge. The problem is the soul is like some huge overfed sumo wrestler. And the soul of the mind says, I'm in charge. But little stick man goes, no, no, Jesus is in charge of my mind. And the, su and the sumo soul goes, get lost. And jumps on stick man. And there's this almighty squelch. And all you can see are little twitchy fingers and toes coming out the side underneath the huge blob of sumo soul that has jumped on stick man's spirit. And this goes on in our lives as Christians, that we know what we ought to do. We know what we should say. We know what we should think. And we go, and every time we get squashed and we get so discouraged because the soul is like the sumo wrestler and the spirit is like this skinny little stick man. Well, one day, stick man decides to go to the gym. And stick man starts working out. Dum, da -da -dum, da -da -dum, dum, and starts doing exercises that build up his strength. Stick man is on a mission. And then one day, after he's been going to the gym for a while, stick man encounters sumo soul emotion coming towards him. And the emotions are going, ah! And stick man goes, fear not in Jesus' name. And sumo soul goes, no, I have every right to be scared and angry. I'm going to squish you, and dives on stick man. But this time, the outcome is completely different. Ta-da! And Stickman lifts up Sumo, spins him round and slam dunks him and stands on him and says, I am in charge. For once, we have a victory. Because you see, human beings are designed that their spirits should rule. Yeah. That your spirit, strengthened by the glorious grace of God from the Holy Spirit, is meant to strengthen your spirit so that your spirit rules over your mind, your will, your emotions, and your body. And why we fail so often is because we try to rule out of our own strength instead of out of the strength of God in our spirit. So your spirit is not only the airfield to receive the help of God, but it is the very place 
the very cockpit of the battle. It's the essence, it's the center of where we win or where we lose. And so Paul writes to these Ephesians, saying that it is incredibly important, Ephesians, that you learn to allow the Holy Spirit to bring the glory-encrusted riches of heaven to your spirit to strengthen you so that you can do all the things that are mentioned in the rest of the passage. We need to be strengthened in our inner man. So how do I take stick man to the gym? How do I take my spirit to a place where it begins to become uh, strong enough to win out over the soul and, 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 and the body? Well, one thing we've already done this morning, but we need to do it in spades, we need to do it constantly, is worship. When you worship, your spirit lights up. When you worship, your spirit gets strengthened. So worship is the primary essence and function of why God created humanity. And when you worship, your spirit gets stronger. Nobody ever lost their faith by going to a worship service. But many people did by not. Because we, it weakens us if we do not worship. So worship is, is a primary and a go-to. Get, a, get a, a phone with the worship music on. Get some earphones. And you've got a difficult situation at work. Don't go in the mind. Don't go in the flesh. Plug in to Jesus. Strengthen your spirit through worship as you're walking through the door. You, you are no longer stick man. So worship. Um, meditation. On scripture, that I don't mean memorization, I mean meditation, taking a piece of the word of God each day and chewing on it as you're going to work. It strengthens your spirit because your attention is taken off of your mind, off of your will, off of your emotions, and onto the truth of God. So as we focus on and meditate on the word of God, your spirit gets strengthened. Um, declarations and proclamations, taking um, a piece of the word of God. Uh, that, that, that God has quickened to you for your situation and saying that you know, like I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus and I declare that over my spirit today that you will not be beaten up, you will not be defeated, that you are more than a conqueror. And your spirit, who is used to being ignored, will pick up and go, wow, they're actually blessing me. They're actually... And that's the third thing I want to say, a fourth thing, is that the, the way you strengthen your spirit is to pay attention to it and to bless it in Jesus' name. And the final thing that, that, that works absolutely, I know this, is that, that if you want to really strengthen your spirit, this is the, 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 the quickest and fastest way to do it, is to speak in tongues. Lots and lots and lots. The more you speak in tongues, the more you edify your spirit. Paul actually tells us that in, in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 14 in his discourse about tongues and, and, and prophecy. He actually says, the person who speaks in tongues edifies himself. Now, we think, oh, that's a terrible thing. You know, we shouldn't be edifying ourselves. You know? But actually what Paul is saying is somebody who speaks in tongues, tongues builds himself up. Now, how do we build ourselves up? It's in our spirit. So your spirit gets edified when you speak in tongues. Uh, Jackie Pullinger said this when she started trying to do supernatural ministry of deliverance of, from, for addicts in China. She said she couldn't do it. She could, just couldn't see breakthrough. And God said, just start praying in tongues five minutes a day. And immediately she started seeing breakthrough. Now that's just with five minutes. Imagine if you spent half an hour a day praying in tongues. Your spirit would be really built up. Now, these are exercises. You know, you go to the gym for two days, you feel like you're an absolute fitness queen. You know? Really good. But actually, it doesn't do any good at all. You have to do it every day. 
You have to build it up over a period of months and years. So <clears throat> the Spirit is our point of communion and contact with the supernatural realm. The stronger our spirit is, the more we will be able to be conscious of, aware of, and receive from the spiritual realm. All right? And if you're sitting here thinking, well, I never hear from God, you need to strengthen your spirit because the reason you don't hear from God is probably, my guess, is that your mind is speaking so loud your spirit can't hear a word God's saying. Okay, so that might be the need for the, your spirit to be strengthened. Now, I think this has incredible um, implications because as we begin to strengthen our spirit, working and moving in spiritual gifts, which are the power tools of the kingdom, becomes so much easier. And I'm just, I'm, I don't know, I've been around this sort of church for a long time now, so 40 years ago, uh, when I first heard about the gift of prophecy, being a high achiever, type A personality who wanted everybody to think I was absolutely wonderful. Yes, I've had prayer for all of that. Um, I thought, wow, the people who prophesy really get the brownie points around here. So I'm, I'm, I'm praying, oh, God, give me a prophecy, give me a prophecy. And it would, I, I, from the start of the meeting, I was praying, oh, God. Now, I had a Bible verse that said, you know, earnestly seek the desire that you should prophesy. So I was praying scripture. God, give me a prophecy. And I noticed that it usually took about 45 minutes for anybody in the congregation to get a prophetic word in those days. I don't know why, it was about 45 minutes into the worship and Mrs. Smith would stand up and say, I've said the Lord, and off we'd go, having a prophecy. And, and, I, and it was interesting, but actually what was going on in my head, now I can see it, what was going on in my head was that you imagine I'm down here and there's this kind of like huge heavenly Amazon delivery system. And in the warehouse of heaven, when I start praying, oh God, I want a prophecy, the, the robots start moving things around and this prophetic egg lands on the conveyor belt. Donk! And as I pray, oh God, give me a prophecy. Ding, 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 And I stop praying for a while and it stops moving. And then, oh God, I really want a prophecy. Ding, 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 and it moves along. And eventually, after about 45 minutes, it gets to the chute above our meeting and down pops the prophetic egg. Woo! Poof! And I go, oh, God's saying this. Now, it, it was genuine, it was real, but did it really need to be such hard work? Um, can anybody remember those days? Do you remember that hard work of getting prophecy? Or was it just me being weird? Okay, it was me being weird. Uh, but, but anyway, there's, there's this experience that many people have of trying to lay the prophetic egg. Now, that was real, it happened, but it doesn't need to be that way. I want to ask you a question. Goldfish, living in a bowl, swimming around. Do you think that goldfish worries very much about whether there's oxygen in the water? He doesn't give it a thought, does he? He just knows that if he just swims around, what's in the water will naturally flow across his gills to oxygenate his blood. And, and that's, that's, that's the goldfish life. I would like to suggest that if our spirits are healthy and active and exercised and strong, that as we go through, swim through our spiritual life, go through life, that the environment around us, the heavenly environment around us, is full of all the stuff we need. It's full of prophecy. It's full of healing. It's full of insight. It's full of wisdom. It's full of, of knowledge. It's full of everything that we need. And it's just like the water, the oxygen in the water. You can't see it, but it's there. But your spirit can sense it. 
And so, you're, so just as the goldfish just pulls oxygen out of the water in order to live, so as our spirits get strengthened and cleaned up, so we draw from the spiritual environment around you. So it becomes easy, not hard, to move in the things of the spirit 24-7. Yeah. So that even when you're asleep, your spirit is getting dreams and visions from God because God doesn't, have, does, God doesn't sleep for, for 12 hours of the day. God is constantly doing stuff. So your spirit is sensitized to the environment around you, which makes it you don't have to wait 45 minutes to get a prophetic egg delivered by the divine um, Amazon delivery service. Okay, I want to... Ch- um, if your spirit which has infinite capacity, can be blessed incredibly if your spirit, which is an incredibly sensitive piece of machinery, uh, machinery, not the right word, incredibly uh, sensitive thing. If you, if you have your spirit activated, then you become aware of what's going on around you. How many of you like ninja movies? I like ninja movies. I, I, I always think it's amazing because, you know, when they fire a whole load of bullets at Ninja, he kind, of, kind of the bullets are coming towards him, and he just kind of, like, moves. <laughs> and they all go past him, and then he gets up, whack! And he kicks the person wherever. And, and, and do you know, the activated spirits make you like ninjas? Because there's all sorts of stuff going on in the spirit where I'm around you. There's God stuff. And there's rubbish stuff. And, you know, the, the Christians who walk around so getting hit by the devil and they don't actually understand what's happening because their spirits have not been sensitized and it's switched on. But when your spirit's switched on, you can track what's going on spiritually around you. And you don't have to be a super-duper prophet with a seer gift. It's just part of the basic, um, the basic package of being a Christian. Okay? Um, so, yeah... I was, I was using this as an illustration. You know the new Queen Elizabeth aircraft carrier that, that, that was just built? And I, I was waxing lyrical about its air defense system. And I was saying it could track 45 supersonic incoming missile warheads the size of a, of a baseball ball um, simultaneously. And, and that, I was saying, was what our spirits are like. They can track all that's going on. And they can pick it up. They can pick up what God's doing. They can pick up what the enemy's doing. Your spirit is an incredibly sophisticated tracking device. I was in the middle of a waxing lyrical about this, and this guy sticks his hand up and goes, ahem, ahem. And I go, yes. And he goes, "Uh, it's 15. I said, no, it's it's 45. And he goes, no, it's 15. I said, how do you know? He says, I designed the thing. (laughs) So, um, okay, it's 15. But, but 45 sounded better. But, but your spirit is capable of doing more than one thing at a time. You see, your mind is only really... Ca- unless you're a mum, of course, then you can do 50 things simultaneously without even thinking about it. But for the rest of us, our minds tend to just work... Yeah, we can only do one or two things at a time. But your spirit can track multiple things. So ninja Christian, who's a goldfish... Very interesting illustrations here. Be a ninja Christian who's a goldfish who's absorbing everything from the spiritual realm around you, but it all happens by strengthening your spirit. The more our spirit man is in charge, the more clearly we will interface with the spiritual realm that is around us. Okay. I think I still have 10 minutes. Good. Okay. I want to tell you these stories because 
a lot of people say, blessing your spirit, rubbish, you can't do that, or you can. Okay, so blessing your spirit. Your spirit will get strong if you bless it. It will get sensitive to the things of God if you bless it. Now, I mentioned all the other things you could do, tongues and meditation and everything else. But what about this? What about just getting alongside somebody, looking them in the eye and saying, Gerald, in the beautiful name of Jesus, I just bless your spirit. And I call your spirit to come to the front. And I call your spirit to be prominent. And I call your spirit right now to superintend the healing of God in every area of your body. I bless your spirit to know and be able to navigate the path of God that he's got for you in these days ahead. I bless your spirit in Jesus' name. Now that is blessing someone's spirit. Um, Some stories. These are all true stories. Um, um, My wife and I were doing a, 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 a seminar. We had people come in to stay for the week. And this couple come up after the first evening and they say, uh, we need prayer. And he said, okay, what, why is that? And he says, well, um, we need prayer because I'm going to kill him. And I, okay, uh, why are you going to kill him? Because he snores. And for the last 18 months, we've been living in different bedrooms at opposite ends of the house because he snores so loud. And I'm going to kill him because we're in a, we're in a, tra- a travel lodge in a, in, a, in a tiny room together, and I already feel like killing him, okay? And so, okay, so can we pray for you? Yes, yes, you can pray for us, because I don't want to kill my husband. Okay, so Yvonne, instead of getting hold of, of the lady, who you'd think you'd pray for in that situation, gets hold of the guy, looks him in the eye, says, so-and-so, so-and-so, I just bless your spirit. I call your spirit to attention, and I call your spirit to come to the front and to rule over every aspect of your body during the watches of the night. I bless your spirit to orientate your body in such a way that it will not snore. Bless you in Jesus' name. And that's all she prayed. Off we went. And the end of the week, this couple come up, and they're telling us what a wonderful week they've had. And Yvonne goes, "Um, so how did the snoring go? goes, what snoring? (gasps) He hasn't snored for five nights running because we blessed his spirit. Okay, that's true. Here, um, I'm, in, I'm in one of these workshops. It's ultra intense. Um, there's masses of emotional stuff going on, and I'm closing down. My mind is saying, this is too much. I can't do emotions. I can't do emotional connection. I can't think emotional language. I'm do- and that's what I'm doing, okay? And the guy who's leading this session, it was an open session, um, and uh, I, I won't, it, it was... I just had to, I had to share some stuff, and I wasn't going to share it. So he grabs hold of me, and he goes, Andy, I bless your spirit in Jesus' name. I call your spirit to the front to be prominent, and I bless your spirit to rule over the fear stronghold in your emotions, and I bless your spirit to give articulation to the feelings that you have in this situation. He st- stopped praying. I turn around and just... Poof, just downloaded a whole load of emotions, which had been there, but I couldn't get them out. Okay, that's me. So I know that one happened. I was there. A um, friend of mine in America is part of a, a group of, of midwives, um, and uh, one of the banes of their life, apparently, is babies that decide to be born the wrong way around, breech births. And so they said, well, if this blessing your spirit stuff works, babies have got spirits. They don't have ears. Uh, they can hear like we do at that stage. But, you know, they... They, they, can, they have spirits. 
So every time a baby, they, they, they obviously got some Christian mums who they could work on because they didn't want to get fired. They got, got these, these mums, and every time they had one of these Christian mums whose baby was the wrong way round, uh, what they did, they, they, they get hold of the baby, well, they lay hands on the, on the mum, and they go, so, little baby Joel, we just bless you in the name of Jesus, and we just bless your little spirit, and it's t- nearly time for you to be born. And Joel, you're the wrong way round, so we bless your spirit to command the motor centres of your uh, nervous system to orientate your body in the right way for birth. And within five minutes, 125 recorded cases of babies just going flip and not needing a C-section. I think that's quite useful. I think that's quite practical. I mean, think about, think about how much you could save the NHS if some subversive Christian midwives would just do the spirit flip um, no C-sections. Um, um, babies in the room. These, these, these two are my favourites. There's uh, um, a young guy in a church that, that I know and uh, I'm involved with in California. And he just, he was a counsellor in a youth correctional facility called uh, The Farm. You know, it's one of the, the ranch, sorry. It's one of those places they send the really difficult children. And so he, he's the new guy on the block, so he gets the worst of the worst. And so he comes in, he's talking to the church, uh, one of the church administrators about this. He's sort of just giving me this kid and he's an absolute psycho and I don't know how to deal with it. And she says, well, you could always bless his spirit. And he goes, oh no, we can't do that. You're not allowed to pray for people in a, in a, in a government institution. That, that I'd lose my job. She says, oh no, no, you don't even have to say anything. You can just bless his spirit. I said, how do I do that? And so she told him. So the first time this, this counsellor guy meets this young lad, he comes in all attitude and he sits down and, and the counsellor says, look, I'm going to do your deal. He says, if you look me in the eye and, and I stare at you, you let me do that for five minutes a day, the rest of the day I'm off your back and you can do whatever you want. And the kid goes, really? And he says, yep, really. Well, okay then. And so the kid sits there, and the guy looks him in the eye, and in his heart, not out loud, in his heart, he's saying, I bless you in the name of Jesus, and I bless your spirit. I bless your spirit to rise up and become strong and rule over the spirits of the enemy that are working in your life. I bless your spirit to change your emotions. I bless your spirit to lead you by still waters. I bless your spirit to take you into a path that will actually cause you to prosper. And he's doing this silently in his heart, day after day after day. He realised he was getting somewhere when a few months later he wasn't able to do the stair in the morning. And the kid rushes up to him in the middle of of something else and says, are we going to do the stair today? Are we going to do the stair today? At the end of the year... The kid's parents come to take him home and they insist that he's been abducted by aliens and replaced by a completely new boy. The kid had gone from being the worst to being the least disruptive in the whole institution. He'd gone from blaspheming and swearing and aggression to being a lamb. Because his spirit, made by God, was crying out for affirmation and attention. And finally, somebody worked out that it wasn't just that he had an anger problem, but that his spirit was being besieged by a whole load of crap from the dark side. And then you bless his spirit so that it can become strong to rule. I know this throws all sorts of spanners into our works about God only blesses Christians. Where do you get that from in the Bible? I don't find it. 
So, one final story. No, two final stories. Got a story from last week. Um, but no, the story, girl leading um, a special needs teacher in Southern California. And she's got uh, a class of six, which tells you how severe the, 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 these guys, and they had autism. And they were a little class who never spoke. The children never spoke, not even to each other, but, but definitely not to strangers. So they, they didn't speak. And so she's from the same church as this other guy, and she just started, um, she just started blessing the kids' spirits. Now, because no one was going to tell on her, she actually did it out loud. And, and, and each morning when they came in, she would just sit the children down, and she would just say, okay, Madeline, I just want to bless your spirit. And I call your spirit to the front, and I call your spirit to rule over all those things which are trying to rob and steal and kill and destroy in your life. And I bless your spirit to, act, to actually create new neural pathways in your brain. And I bless your spirit to lead you back to connection with the rest of humanity. And she would just bless like that. She did it for the whole class. Nothing happened at first, but after six months, she walked in unexpectedly into the classroom, and the children were talking to each other. By the end of the year, they were all able to hold reasonably sensible conversations with people around them. Now, do you understand that the reason why that can happen, everyone says miracle, miracle, but the miracle is that God wants to bless people's spirits. Okay. It doesn't matter what state our body is in or our mind is in if our spirit is being blessed. Last week in an Anglican church in Yorkshire, I, I, I taught this thing that I'm teaching at great length now. I better stop soon. Um, and uh, there was this girl from um, uh, one of the sort of um, church plants they have on one of the housing estates, really rough neighbourhood. She's only been a Christian about six weeks. Um, uh, the advantage of that is she knows everybody in her community. And, um, and so she gets this thing about blessing spirit. She came up and she said, that's really easy. She says, I can do that. I'm, I'm, I'm only a Christian a few weeks, but I can do that. And so she went out to the door of the church and saw somebody she knew, a girl walking along the other side, Oi, come over here! <laughs> and she drinks this lady over and she says, God wants to bless your spirit. And she started blessing this woman's spirit in the street. And she, said, and she just blessed and blessed and blessed everything she stood up and went away. The next morning, that woman who'd, ne who'd, who'd never been to that church before in her life comes in and sitting in the evangelistic service because she blessed her spirit to be hungry for the things of God. Yeah. Woo! Okay. So do you get it? That your spirit matters. Your spirit is fed up with being neglected or having hand-me-downs and second-hand things that filter through, we can bless our spirits in so many ways in order to make them strong. Strong spirit leads to strong manifestation of the spirit. Weak spirit, the Holy Spirit moves, but most of it gets cut out coming through us. But if our spirits are strong, whatever the Holy Spirit's doing, just mainline straight into whatever situation it is. So this is not just about me getting blessed, it's about being a channel of blessing into the world. So I really ought to stop. Okay. So, because we need to do ministry. And <laughs> what, um, what I would like to do, uh, first of all, um, we've got lots of words of knowledge for things. Um, may, maybe I'll share those first. Uh, we want to pray for the sick, which is mandatory. 
Um, <laughs> if, we, if we don't pray for the sick, we haven't done what Jesus told us to do. So, you know, um, we've preached the good news. Now we've got to heal the sick. Uh, so if you've got any broken bones in your body, um, God wants to heal. If you've got bones that haven't properly aligned, properly healed, last Sunday I prayed for a guy who'd 14 years, his uh, big toe, he'd broke it on holiday and hadn't got it fixed, and it was sticking out at right angles. Made it very hard to wear shoes. Uh, We prayed for him on the Saturday. By the Sunday morning, it had completely straightened and completely returned to normal. So broken bones, accident injuries, we'd love to pray for you. Uh, Eye problems, particularly macular degeneration. Somebody, um, so that's, I know that's a big one, but uh, also another big one, I just got the word cancer cells. So if you've been told by medical authority that you've got cancer cells in your body, we'd like to pray for you. I had a picture of the immune system. So if you've got any sort of compromised immune issue in your body, um, uh, then, then I'd like to pray for that. Uh, I also felt that there was somebody here this morning who the phrase that's going through your head is that you're hanging on by a thread. You're hanging on by a thread. I don't know what you're hanging on for and to, but um, God wants to say to you, I'm your helper. So if you're hanging on by a thread in a desperate place, come and get prayer. Um, uh, There's also, um, yeah, somebody here is a visitor or, or, or have not been here very often. God is for you, not against you. And that, that actually God wants to minister to you. So come and get prayer. Somebody else, God says to you, I'm turning you from a victim into a victor. And uh, this is to do with workplace issues uh, where you feel you're being bullied. Um, God wants to do that. So broken, broken bones, macular degeneration, cancer cells, immune system, and then, then those four things. But what I want to really just do before we start the ministry time is get you to, if you want to, um, I, I would invite you to stand. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to bless your spirit. And I'm going to call your spirit to attention. Um, and I'm going to allow, and what I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to do is to actually give your spirit a little overhaul and see if there's anything he needs to show you that needs to get dealt with so that the spirit is clear for the things the Holy Spirit wants to do. Okay? So... Um, yeah, and, 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 then, and also in that is what does the Holy Spirit want to land in you today? Because, you know, this is great theory, but we could actually receive it in practice. Yeah, what does the Holy Spirit want to land in you today? Okay, so if you'd like to be involved in this little bit of ministry, and then as, uh, as soon as we've done this, we'll, we'll, we'll have a worship song and, and we'll pray for people after the service is ended up the front here. Okay, is that right? Yeah. Okay, so if you'd like to uh, join in this spirit blessing prayer, then, then, then stand up and, and then we'll, we'll go from there. Dearly beloved, I bless your spirits in Jesus' name. I call your spirits to the front. I call your spirits to be prominent. I call your spirit to rule over your mind, over your will, 
and over your emotions. I call your spirit to rule over the consuming issues of your body. I bless your spirits to be strengthened with glorious riches and might from heaven. I bless your spirits to be strengthened with everything that it needs for life and godliness. And right now, I start blessing your spirit to be able to navigate the path ahead to freedom. I bless your spirit to know exactly what to do in order to lead you to a place of complete freedom. And I bless your spirits to be sensitive, sensitive, sensitive to the things of the spirit realm. And in the name of Jesus, I bless you to receive in your spirit the things that the Holy Spirit wants to download to you this morning. And so I bless you to be full. Every area of emptiness, I bless you to be full. I bless you with overflow and with abundance. I bless you with increase and with light. I bless you with a manifestation of the realities of the presence of God that you have not known before. I bless you, church, to be a light, a city on a hill. I bless the level of illumination in this fellowship that it would increase and increase and increase. And for some of you, I just bless your spirits to know that your days of darkness and bondage are beginning to be in your past and light and hope is in your future. Increase, Holy Spirit, the richness that these brothers and sisters are able to carry in their spirits. For thank you, Father, that you've set this church apart as a bridge from heaven to earth, that you've set this church apart to be a carrier of heaven's riches into the lives of need that surround them. And so, Father, in the beautiful name of Jesus, we set our spirits to reject everything negative, everything pessimistic, everything unbelieving that would speak from our mind and say, yes, but not me. In the name of Jesus, we nail to the cross that lie, yes, but not me. We nail that, that lie that excludes to the cross. We repent and we will not join with it. For we are called to be an awesome, awesomely rich source of blessing and help in Jesus' name.